0: Welcome to the welcome community joke. Nobody is full of more hope than a mom that places stuff on the stairs, I'm hoping her family members will just take it up. <laughs> I'm not sure if you heard at the end. They don't. So I just, I saw that and I just thought there is hope. I know my wife, she continues to try that Um, time and time again, and even after I saved that video to my phone, I then walked up the stairs later and passed the laundry and kind of thought, oh, man. (laughs) But the message that I want to share tonight is that there is hope. And in fact, I've been wanting to share this message since COVID first shut us down. When COVID first shut us down, I actually contacted the pastor here at the time And I said, would we be able to go in together on kind of a triangular canvas sign that just says, there is hope. And then say, we love you, Binbrook, and have Binbrook United Church in the well. And just something that would spark people's minds and encourage them and remind them that there is hope. Now, I know there was a a change of staff here throughout COVID. and Things kind of got... left behind, but even the other day, I was leaving FreshGo, and I saw the bulletin board where everyone puts up their business cards, and I thought, how cool would it be to have a business card or to have a postcard that's there that just says, there is hope, and the contact number for the church, because that's the message I want to continue to get out there to our community, that there is hope, and sometimes it's just that simple reminder when you're having a really hard day, when someone says, there is hope, and you're like, yes, there is. I need to be reminded of that. Or for others who are having a really difficult time, sometimes it just even raises the question, is there hope? And if this person thinks there is hope, then maybe I need to reach out and have a conversation and at least start asking some questions. Because even though it's been a long and drawn-out season and there were times when hope seemed to be waning, I've always had a glimmer of hope. Knowing that, that Jesus Christ is in control. There were dark days. And as I shared last week, I've even gone back onto antidepressants because my mental health started really struggling and declining and going downhill. But I've always known that Jesus Christ is in control. Hope, doesn't excuse or deny the difficult realities that we faced or that we currently are facing, but it does give us the courage to keep moving forward. So welcome to our Advent series that we've called A Thrill of Hope, because hope is alive. So first, let me explain, though, what Advent is, because I grew up in a tradition where, sure, we had our Christmas series and we had our Christmas season, but we never really leaned into Advent. So I admit that I actually use Advent and Christmas interchangeably. I kind of use them together, but they're actually not the same thing. Culturally speaking, yes, this is the Christmas season, but liturgically speaking, as part of the church calendar, Advent on the Christian calendar is our new year. It's the beginning of a new season. Advent marks the beginning of the Christian calendar. So if Advent isn't Christmas, then what is it? Well, here's a calendar behind me with the the Christian calendar. And Advent begins four Sundays, or in our case, Saturdays, before Christmas, and it ends on Christmas Eve. And this is more so the Western Christian calendar, because there is some slight differences between... East and West, but in the Western Christian calendar, we have Advent, then we have Christmas, which is 12 days, so we actually get to enjoy it longer. So for those of you who celebrate Christmas and then kind of have the blues on Boxing Day, this way you get 12 days. That's where our song comes from. Then you have Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, and then you have this large section of ordinary time. So we're wrapping up Ordinary Time. And while that might sound a little plain or simple or boring, let me explain Ordinary Time. During this season, the church's primary focus is to live out its missional calling in the world and to encourage daily growth in its members. So the first half of the calendar helps ground us in Jesus, in the work of Christ But then that is to empower us to go out into the world and to continue to live on mission. So Advent is a season of preparation. It helps us remember history's longing for a Messiah before Jesus' birth and what it would have even been like to wait and wonder. In between the the two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament, you have about a 400-period a 400-year gap of silence. Can you imagine what it would have been like generation after generation waiting for the Messiah, wondering when he was going to come? But Advent's also a reminder of the return of Christ, that Christ has come to this earth once and that he's going to return again just as he promised. So much like we get our homes ready for Christmas, Advent is a season when we prepare ourselves. It reminds us of our daily ongoing preparation, where we need to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives to make room for Christ so that he can do a new work within us, within our hearts, our souls, our minds. It's to prepare ourselves to meet with the incarnate Christ. But within Advent, there's both shadow and light. It's even more noticeable where we live in the Northern Hemisphere, that as we creep toward the shortest and darkest day of the year, there's shadow and there's light. Advent is a glad welcome in this time of cooler temperatures and grayer skies, as it invites us to shift our focus to a new beginning an arrival. For within the darkness, there is still light. There is hope. So tonight, I'm going to invite you to join me in experiencing the powerful truth about the Christmas story and about Jesus by looking at some different parts of the story, even some of the parts that we may hope to forget. So, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 or 2 through 16. So, if you have your Bibles, you can flip there. Or if you're watching online or you want to read the NIV translation, it will be behind me. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the peoples, chief priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. And having been warned warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Now, this is a super strange way to start Advent. So why am I starting with this text? Well, it's because I want to propose something a little bit unconventional. And it's, let's keep Herod in Christmas. Herod the Great, as he was known, was a bad man. He was cruel. He was evil. And I'm going to leave out many of the specific details in order to keep this a PG message. But if you want to know more, there's a great little book called Christmas, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly by Richard B. Wilkie. Needless to say, the world in which Herod lived was in turmoil. There were power struggles going on. So Herod's dad had allied himself with the Roman leadership, and was named ruler of Judea. So when Herod was a young soldier, he was sent to Rome to build friends among key Roman leaders. Later, he was dispatched to become the governor of Galilee. He proved to be a friend of Rome by brutally crushing a local Jewish rebellion. So when Herod's father was later killed, Rome named Herod ruler of Judea. And to solidify his authority, Herod decided to marry Mariamne, whose father was the high priest. He had many other wives, but Mariamne was, her, was his favorite. He was jealously passionate about her. But again, Herod was brutal. The emperor Augustus is reported to have said at some point, it is safer to be Herod's pig than to be his son. Herod wanted absolute control and did whatever it took to make sure that he had it. So now by the time where we kind of have the magi and the wise men coming on scene and they come to Jerusalem, Herod was considered to be an old man. After 40 years of ruthless rule, he was now about 70 years old. But those wise men inflamed Herod's jealousy and his paranoia when they said they were looking for a baby who would become the king of the Jews. So what did Herod do? Well, he lied to the wise men, saying that he too wanted to go to Bethlehem to worship this baby. But as we read, the wise men were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, and Herod Lost his cool. So, to stop the threat of losing his kingship to this newborn baby, he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and younger. So, historians agree that Herod was a godless man, he was reckless, he was willing to slay young or old relative, friend, enemy, showing no mercy. And across the centuries, Herod has become a symbol of evil. So why should we keep Herod in Christmas? I believe it's to remind us how desperately we need a Savior. You see, my Savior, Jesus, came into Herod's world, our world, my world, to change evil into goodness. Hatred into love, violence into peace, sin into salvation. Let's keep Herod in Christmas to help us avoid mere sentimentality and to remember that a world saturated with sin and darkness desperately needs a savior who can transform the human heart. Oh man. To think if Herod had only gone to Bethlehem and had his heart transformed before Jesus. But this now becomes our invitation. Will we come and kneel before our Savior and allow Him to transform our hearts? This past summer, Amanda and I bought a new to us car. It's a black 2017 Hyundai Tucson. And it was the very first car we test drove. And Amanda and the kids were like, this is it. This is our car. And I'm kind of freaking out, thinking, what? Like, we just jumped in this one. And there's a whole parking lot full of them that we can drive. They're like, nope, this is it. But it checked off all the boxes. So I thought, OK, let's, let's do it. And as we were driving away, it was funny because Amanda then asked, how did we decide on, because the one thing I didn't want our car to be was a black car. And of course, this is a black car. So as we were driving away, the one thing she said, she's like, how did we decide on our silver car, the one that we're currently driving? I said, because you told me, I want a silver car. So we can kind of see who wears the pants in our relationship. (laughs) But have you ever noticed that when you get a new car or a new-to-you car, you begin noticing how many other people have the exact same car? In fact, our neighbor who lives directly across the street from us has the exact same car. And the only reason I can tell it apart is they have a green sticker on their back window. So I'm just waiting for the day that I'm going to be trying to get into their car unsuccessfully. But you see, when we get a new car, when we get new things, we often suddenly become aware of its existence in our surroundings. We now see it in places we had never seen it before our neighbor's driveway, on the road, on the highway, in the parking lot, as you pull into church. And it's not just true for cars. It works for anything that we become aware of and focus our attention on. So the question is, do you think the same might be true with your relationship with God? Therefore, let's keep noticing God. I believe that noticing God will help us to continue noticing God it's not simply enough to just notice him when we gather together on Saturdays. Like, that's a great start. But we need to begin our days by reflecting on a small portion of God's truth, by reading his word, by reflecting on his beauty or his goodness, so we'll notice him at work throughout the day. And it might come from a simple, innocent comment or question from a child. We might see Jesus reflected in a hint of snowfall, in the scent of the morning air, or the kindness of the in the smile of a neighbor. Noticing God helps us keep noticing God. So as we lean into this Advent season, as we lean into this week of expectation, how can you begin your day with Jesus so that you'll continue to see Jesus throughout? You? Where have you noticed God today? As we move through Advent, as we move closer to Christmas, and we wait with expectation in the shadows, we know that the light is coming. We know that there is hope. And best of all, God is with us while we So let's also keep hope alive. And how do we do this? Well, it's easy to see and begin focusing on the shadows of earth, the injustices, the the depressing news, distraught people around us. We live in a time of already but not yet, that Christ has come, but he's also coming again. So in other words, our world is not as it should be yet. Yet. So we wait sometimes, wondering if there's a reason to hope. But let me encourage you with this. Living in the shadows implies there's light. Plato once told the story of a cave of shadows and people entranced by the flickering dance on the wall in front of them. Yet the shadows that they were watching are not the reality. They merely hint at the full truth behind those gazing at the wall. Unfortunately, we too tend to stare at the shadows in front of us, ignoring the light behind us. So how do we keep hope alive? By trusting that there's a light source behind whatever shadows we're facing. And by moving toward Jesus, who is the light of the world. So in Advent, we recognize the shadows for what they are, and we slowly move toward the origin of the ray of light beaming on our cave wall. John 1, 1-5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word. And without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life. And the life was the light for all people." The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. So friends, as we embark on this season of Advent, may you take time to move toward the light, toward Jesus. Where do you see the hand of God working in the midst of shadows? Let's keep Herod, the reality of evil and darkness, in Christmas. Let's not pretend it's not there or that it doesn't exist. Instead, let's acknowledge it and be ever more grateful for the gift of Jesus. And then let's take time to notice Jesus so that we'll keep noticing Jesus. And let's keep hope alive. I asked this question at the beginning of the service. What is your honest hope for this Advent season? And I want us to just take a moment now, talk to God about it. Ask him to help you. Ask him to reveal himself to you this Advent season. And then after a moment of silent reflection, I'll invite you to join me Lord God, as we enter this Advent season and as we wait with expectation for the arrival of your Son, Jesus, help us to remember the glimpse of hope and the steady hand that holds all things together. While we wait with expectation in the shadows, Father, help us to see and move toward the light as we move toward the season of Christmas. Help us see your truth beauty, and goodness as we open ourselves up to you each and every day. Thank you so much for the gift of your Son who entered this world and all of its evil in order to save us from it. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us share the hope that we have in Jesus with others who so desperately need it. God, thank you for being with us while we wait. In Christ's name we pray.